This is John from Polymath Producer. Welcome back to another video. Today we have a modern music production analysis. This week we're doing New Rules by Dua Lipa, produced by Ian Kirkpatrick. Last week we did Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, produced by Ian Kirkpatrick. The reason why I'm doing another one of his is because I really wanted to hone in on his skill set, uh, how he thinks about the craft, because he's a top 50 um, producer at the moment. So what you can learn is, you know, the modern aspects of music production, um, plus the fundamentals as well. He, he hones in on the fundamentals, just like the classics. The cool thing about analyzing modern tracks, like real modern, is that you can actually figure out sonically what, you know, the world top 50 are doing right now, uh, so that you can combine that with your classic analysis and sort of mash it all together. Before we do that, Polymath Producer System has opened again. I teach you how to read songs like a book so that you can go from either amateur to professional or professional to world-class. It's a system that you can put on repeat daily, step-by-step. Step. There's usually mixing and mastering programs that teach you how to do it step-by-step. Step. Like this is step-by-step step how to learn arranging for production like a master would think about the craft. This is exactly how you do it. So I put together a presentation called Read Songs Like a Book. You can go watch that below at polymathproducer.com. The first thing I wanna talk about is the 808. Okay, there's an 808 bass in this and it does some very cool things. Have a listen. So right away, it's, it's already doing stylistic things. This is in the pre-chorus. So what that 808 is doing is it's really, it's beginning the low end section of the track. Uh, and it's almost like teasing what's, what's to come. Even the kick is less active than it is later on. But the thing I like about the, this 808 in particular is that the fact it starts on one pitch and then it, it like stylistically bends down towards the next tone um, that's, that's wanted. Now it starts to do more of a, a rhythmic aspect to the bass. So it's starting to do the core rhythm at this point. So I love this, I love this. So this is actually the chorus and then, it, and then it's the build just before the drop happens. What I love about this is the fact that, now this is, this is quite in depth, but the 808 is doing a descending line. Din, 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 din. As that's doing that descending line, as that's doing that descending line, this synth is going up. So what that is is contrary motion as they would call it in classical music, contrary motion. And contrary motion works well in, in classical music. Contrary motion pretty much means that one thing is descending while another's ascending. Have a listen to this. 
So the synth is going up and then the bass. How good, like, how good is that? That's just one thing to note is that contrary motion can work very well with your instruments. It's just that counterpoint, that classical uh, way of doing things. Like when you have one instrument ascending and one descending, it can work, it can sound really well together. Uh, you know, like two coming together like this, two going out like that, going like that together. Like there's many ways you can sort of play with counterpoint with your instruments. And this all this is all to do with like layering uh, and, and advanced layering. Now, the other thing that's cool about this little build here is that the kick, if you can listen very carefully, the kick is playing at a deeper frequency during the chorus, but then when the build starts, the kick actually goes to a higher frequency. Ready, deep, top. So higher frequency has more, has more of a snap to it so that when it does the, the kick fill, uh, that kick build part, it's just more of a hit. So very slight frequency shift with the kick between sections to differentiate them. So a few things with the 808 in the drop section is that it's side chained to the kick at this point. When the kick hits, the 808 ducks the kick. And whether that's so the bass can move out of the way of the kick frequencies or whether it's for more of a stylistic thing, I'm not actually sure. Um, But another thing that he, that he does with the 808 is that it, when it switches to a higher note, it sort of sounds like it slides up, like doom, doom, doom. Like it sounds cool. So these are all just little things that you can do just to really humanize your bass. Um, I mean, it's an 808, so it's, it's electronic, but he's made it sound like a human's playing it with the slides at the start where he's got the note going dun, 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 almost like it's teasing the bass in and then it starts to play the core rhythm so it's actually playing a core, like a uh, the core rhythm at that point in the, in the chorus and then it plays like a descending like line uh, which is quite active and then in this one a side chain plus has the stylistic movements with it so he's really played around with the style of the 808 to make it way more interesting for the song <laughs> We talked about this in the Mark Ronson track where he used percussive fills to create interest in between vocal phrases. Now, this one is a clear example of that. In this pre-chorus here, she sings the phrase and then there's a, this cool little fill here that plays. And it's quite inventive. And it's just like a little, you know, a little sprinkle there just to sort of peak interest. And I guess the cool thing about this one as well is that it's got a, a reverse into it which is very subtle, like very subtle moves in modern production that you can do just to really, just for a bit of ear candy. Uh, so it's essentially just a little white rise and then into the vocal, uh, in, into the tom like fill. So these are just little like subtle layering choices you can make just to, just to give it like a, that little extra something. In Don't Start Now, he starts the song with the hook line, but it's like teased a little bit with the vocal and it, and it has a vocal throw on it, so it delays and reverbs out. He does the exact same technique in this track. Have a listen. Literally the exact same technique. 
So it's got to reverse into the vocal. So he's reversed it and then it goes into, and then the vocal sings one, which is like the the hook line of the pre-chorus. And he's got it tremolo delayed like out left and right. So it sounds like, it feels like it's going and it's vocal throat, so it lasts long. And that's in the that's in the intro. So straight away, you know what song it is. He's teased the hook of the track, and uh, it's ready to go. And very, it's it's so simple, but it's so effective. People know straight away this is that song. Other things he's done with stylistic vocals is he's used a hay vocal on the drop. And the reason why this works is I'm pretty sure it's like an old school hip hop thing. Um, but the chain smokers use this a lot as well, I've noticed, and it's in a lot of um, modern pop music as well. They use a hay vocal to as like almost like a percussive rhythmic element that accentuates off beats. <laughs> I hope that made sense. So if you listen to it, this is all it is. It's just like a sample of someone saying, hey, but when you play it with the arrangement, hey, hey. it's on the offbeat. So it's, it gives a bounce and you don't even know, like the audience wouldn't actually know that that hey is really happening. I mean, the first hey is a lot louder and then it goes a bit quieter, but the audience wouldn't know that that's happening. They just feel it. So it feel it gives it that bounce. Hey. 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 It's it's just a little subtle trick that you can use to really emphasize rhythm in your modern arrangements. So this tom fill actually happens in the second verse, um, just before the pre-chorus, and it's a, it's it's like a slight tom fill variation on the original one that he played in the first pre-chorus, but it's got it's a bit lighter and he's got a transition effect of a who vocal, like who, and then it's vocal throat. And that carries over with white noise going down into the pre-chorus. So I'll play that for you. So it's, it, you wouldn't even notice it. Like the average person wouldn't notice these things, but the who vocal plays just before this pre-chorus starts and it's it very lightly just carries the arrangement over into the next section. Same thing right here. When he goes into this section, it's sort of, you can hear things in the foreground, but when you listen very carefully, have a listen to what he has underneath this part. So reverse tone, white noise, and then it's a woo vocal with a vocal throw on it right on the entrance. I'll tell you when it happens. Now. now you can't even hear that when he says woo, he says woo right on the entrance of that of that chorus and that carries over. So these are very, very subtle tricks that you can use just under underneath your arrangement just to give it that extra feel, that ear candy. White noise effects either going up or down, um, little little white rise effects, uh, you've got vocal chops, like vocal samples that are doing certain things on certain hits. You've got vocal throws, so effects that carry over so that the transitions are smooth. And you've also got reverse tones. So like tones of, of either like 
you know, a synth tone, like just a one hit tone that are reversed into sections. Something that a lot of modern tracks have are these mini reverse tones, reverse vocals, uh, reverse um, crashes, white noises. There's a lot of reverse things into things, reverse kicks. It's always very subtle and you wouldn't even really notice it if you were just the average listener. But when you're producing modern pop tracks, um, yeah, the reverse stuff really can emphasize certain points, works really great for transitions, can em emphasize rhythm as well. It's always on a very subtle level though that the audience would not even know that's happening. So with his uh, higher level percussion, he tends to reserve harder hits for entrances of bars or for turnarounds and then lighter hits for um, just other, other bars, which you'll see in the drop. First crash, very heavy. Second crash, not as heavy. Third crash for the turnaround, heavy. Fourth crash, not as heavy. So that's in the drop section. Crash. First one's very impactful. Second one, not very impactful. And you know, that, that variation on intensity, very important. It's a very subtle thing to think about, but you're always gonna be thinking, how can I vary, how can I put variation of intensity on my percussion elements? Really it just humanizes it. So if you're using samples, it's just humanization. When I when I analyzed rehab with Mark Ronson, it was clear that it was a it was a real drum player. So the variation in intensity is always, always going to be there when you've got a real drum player, if they, if they actually do it. But with samples, it can be harder. So you've got to do these things. You've got to think about these things. How can I make sample-based tracks sound more humanized? Now, with his other percussion, he's got rides. Got like rides and cymbals, and they come in on the later sections and like a weird vocal sample. So like how he's just throwing in random samples on certain beats just for like a little bit of ear candy here and there. Like it makes, for the, to the average listener, they wouldn't even know it's there and it kind of makes no sense. But the reason why he's doing that is just, just to really just emphasize that unique feel. These rides, they come in on the bridge section. So if you listen here. bit atmospheric so that's why he's got a lot of the weird samples coming in doing their thing so the key point to think about here is that he's reserved the different type of of higher level percussion for the for the bridge uh, the second build and sort of the later latter parts of the arrangement and that's really for energetic build in a lot of these modern tracks they reserve high-end percussion for later sections and especially not all the time but like they reserve the most intense high-end percussion for later periods or they build it up over time so maybe they have just little remnants of high-end percussion earlier on and then it starts to build over time now that's not always the case if we look at uh, rehab that we also analyzed this week by mark with mark ronson the high-end percussion really came in on just certain sections and then got taken out for other sections the real real principle here is that you want contrast that's it contrast is key when we analyzed Rehab with Mark Ronson, we noticed how the core rhythm in that track actually slightly varies between different sections. The principle of core rhythm still remains within the sections, but it, it changes its essence in the different sections. In this track, this is another example of how the core rhythm can change depending on the sections. 
you listen to the verse, it has more of that Latin feel. It's got that, that classic Latin beat. But when it gets to the drop, it's different. Which is interesting, isn't it? You've got this Latin backbeat here, which is really outlined by the percussion here and the synth. But what's even more interesting is that when the, when the chord rhythm changes in the drop, the synth from the verse actually stays similar. So it's the same Latin sort of beat in the, in the synth. So the core harmonic rhythmic driver it remains the same, but the beat underneath it changes, which is quite interesting. It's almost like the core harmonic rhythmic driver in this track takes precedence over the actual like kick and snare, which I don't think I've ever seen before. I've never I've never analyzed this sort of way of, of doing it before, which is very cool. And it really it's really because this snare comes in in the drop, and this is the only real part that it plays in. This snare right here, this main one. which takes away from that Latin beat because the Latin beat is more like a, it's like the boom. That's the, that's the sort of Latin style beat. In this drop though, when the snare comes in the two and the four, changes everything. So it's like he's combined the Latin rhythm from the start with the core harmonic rhythmic driver and the synth and then he's combined that with a different type of core rhythm in the drop and then fuse them together. And this is where you can really start to become inventive with your arrangements and your productions because when you start to combine core rhythms, when you start to combine rhythms from different genres, different eras, uh, your stuff really starts to sound more original because you're literally cross-pollinating ideas from everywhere. And that's why this song sounds so unique is because he's done that. I mean, he could have been safe and just stuck with that Latin rhythm in the drop, but the fact that the drop changes completely and has that contrast between sections changes everything. Another thing I wanted to talk about with this drum loop here is that it gets really intense during the build section. I guess the key principle here that you want to recognize is that when it comes to builds, if you want them to sound very intense, like this one does, sounds very intense that build. And the reason why it's because he's got a lot of things happening at the same time. He's got contrary motion happening, which we talked about earlier. He's got one rising, he's got the bass falling. Um, he's got the kick going crazy. He's got the snare going crazy. Uh, he's got different counter rhythms. So counter rhythms will create more conflict. The more conflict there is, the more intense 
and chaotic a section will sound. For this, for this um, build, he's purposely made it very intense. He's even got strange, uh, very intense with the counter rhythms. He's even got weird sort of vocal fills and things like that, vocal chops, different sort of like samples and sounds that you wouldn't even recognize if you were just the average listener. He's got that pad that's a vocal pad. It's like, uh, 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 doing that. I don't know what it's doing. It's, um, it's filtered out and then rising up. So a lot of stuff is happening there to build that intensity. On this synth here, which is the main synth core harmonic rhythmic driver, the top end is actually cut off a little bit, I think, or it's just the single synth in the verses. But then when it gets to the drop, it's layered with multiple synths. So it sounds a lot bigger and the frequency spectrum is wider. Key principle here being reserving more frequency range for higher impact sections. He's done the same with the kick. He's done the same with all the other elements that he has. So reserving the highest frequency range for the biggest impact section, which he's done here. So this synth here is quite interesting. It's a combination of a pad. So he's got a, a, just a smooth sustained pad underneath, but he's also got a uh, I guess a staccato motive that's getting hit and it's rising which is part of the key three that I talked about in the in rehab I talked about the key three how there's in, in most brass sections how there's staccato hits a motive or a sustained at any given period or or they're combined and this is a synth but it's doing the same principle it's it's staccato in for intensity Plus there's a sustained synth underneath. It's layered. Now in, that's for the build. Or the, the chorus. I guess the other thing to note in that build section as well is the fact that it's congruent with the song. And this is something that's very important in production and arranging is having that relationship with the song. So the singer's singing the song, the song's, if it's a vocal centric song and it's a, and it's a song centric song like this one, the arrangement needs to support that and needs to accompany that and it needs to tell the story of the song in a way that's interdependent. Principle number 10, interdependence principle. Everything has its own sort of role, independent role, but they need to work together as an independent, interdependent entity uh, synergistic in this build that is happening it's it's con it's congruent with what the song is singing it's it's flowing with what the song is and just quietly can can we take some time to appreciate how well done this snare fill is before the drop happens and the timing of it all like this i i can't i can't figure this out I literally cannot figure out what is happening here. I've, I've analyzed this so many times. I've even, I've, I'm even looking at the individual instruments and I cannot figure out what is happening here. Listen. Like just the intricacy of the timing of placements, of, of element placements is next level. Like this is, this is world-class stuff right here. Listen to this again. It just gets me every time. Like, this is like the best part of this track, in my opinion, is this one little section. Just listen to it again. You got the build. You got this ins this crazy build. Oh, no. 
intensity. And then it goes, and then it's, and then it just falls out. It just, it just fades completely, which is, um, it's like a loop disruption, loop disruption technique. It just like falls out. And then there's a reverse vocal that carries underneath towards the drop and the vocal sings its one line with a white noise rise as well. And then the hay even comes in like in between the snare fill and the drop, like it's all, and the timing of it all, it's just amazing. So I guess this, the key principle to think about here is that how can you make your uh, transitions so intricate that it just blows people away and like it blows producers away where they're just like, what did you even do? I don't even know what you did. Yeah, I, I, I literally do not know what you did. If you can have that reaction from producers or just the public in general, you know you've done some intricate world-class production skills. So this other this other synth is sort of like a vocal glitch that's sustained but does like a weird staccato motive thing. This is during the chorus build. It's filtering up and up and up. And then it's playing in the drop without the filter and it's just in its full intensity. And he's also got weird vocal glitches that are happening every now and then. It's that main thing that's playing in the background of the drop. It's a combination of things. It's like a counter rhythm because it's playing a straight rhythm while the, the, the core rhythm is very syncopated. And it's, it's also kind of like a hidden hook, secondary hook thing because it's, it's pretty in the foreground, but it's accompanying the lead vocal, which is the lead hook, the primary hook, uh, where she's singing, um, I got new rules, I count them, whatever she's singing. So yeah, it's, it's kind of just accompanying that. Remember when we talked about in rehab with Mark Ronson for the finale, how he combines different techniques that he's used or different parts that he's used earlier in the arrangement separately and then he combines them together for, for the finale. He's done that exact thing in this track. Have a listen to this. So he's got in this finale section, he's got the... He's got the one that rises in the, in the, um, in the earlier section. In the, in the chorus, and he's also got the, the other melody underneath during the finale. And I think the reason why you can get away with that is because the finale, she's not singing that lead vocal hook. It's because she doesn't sing that in the finale bar. She's singing that instead, so it's a bit different. So he's, he's, he's got room to, to play with that. With the background vocals in the verse, there's a bit of a call and response happening. First, uh, you've got the lead vocal phrase, and then you've got the background vocals doing a harmonized uh, vocal stack response. Crazy, out of my mind, out of my mind. Which is quite cool, call and response principle. Wrote it down and read it out. One, don't pick up the phone. You know he's only calling because he's drunk and alone. Two, so what the background vocals are doing in this section are they're, they're doubling keywords and they're panned. And they're also doing octaves as well. So if you can hear the first one, he's got like, just on the one, he's got like a very deep processed voice. Elf. 
one, yeah. don't pick up the phone. That'd you know, funny. so they're on they're on each number just for emphasis on those on those notes. So this section here is mostly background vocals. So it's it's probably like the you know the it's like a full vocal stack. He's got like vocals that are one octave. He's got vocals that are another lower octave. And it sounds like that they're pan left and right. Like it's a it's a real big stack. Now in verse two, which happened in "Don't Start Now" as well, he started to add more harmonic uh, background vocal elements for like a bit of variation, um, which happens in a lot of modern tracks. They reserve background vocals for more verse two onwards. In terms of background vocals, I mean like harmonized parts that are like either above or below the vocal during harm like the vocal line. So in the second verse, so it's like there's a harmony above. Now I'm standing back from it. I finally see the pattern. I never so it's interesting. He's used in this section. He's used a, a single line harmony for the when the vocal line is singing, the lead vocal line, but then for the background vocals, a harmony stack, and a vocal stack that's wide as well. It's really thinking about your vocal layering in that way. Like if you've got the lead vocal singing the lead in the center, and then it's like, okay, do I want to have a harmony that is singing above or below that while the vocal's singing? Do I want to have a vocal stack? So like a bunch of vocals singing different harmonized layers, different octave layers, wide, like left and right panned. Do I want call and response vocals? These are all those questions that you need to be asking yourself and it really depends on the song at hand. So every song is going to be different, but in this particular song, that's just the way he's sort of done it. In the first verse, he's got, to, he's got just the call and response vocal stack. In the second verse, he's got the mixture of both. With the ad-libs, it's like they're almost processed differently to everything else. Sounds like it's got like some sort of distortion or or amp or something on it. Can you hear that? It's like a bit more rough compared to the lead vocal. Again, ad-libs, similar to other modern tracks that I've analyzed, ad-libs are getting reserved for verse 2 onwards. So verse two, uh, for this final pre-chorus build or chorus build, and um, and for the final drop as well. So and in terms of ad libs taking place like in between vocal phrases or as harmonies, like one soft harmonies. So in between phrases. Harmony. And this is all just like selection. I mean, I don't know whether they did all these like purposefully or whether he just said, can you just sing a bunch of stuff during the song? And then he placed them himself like creatively, which a lot of the time you can do. With the lead vocal, we have a dry lead singing the main melody. And then you've got a wet lead that is singing all the effects. Crazy. A lot of vocal throws, things like that. Vocal throws are when it like the effects extend out further than what like is normal, but it's on strategic moments so that it carries over 
and for like transition sections or if you want it for creative effect. But what I wanted to talk about with this lead vocal was the fact that he's got reverse, he's got a reverse wet section here. those reverse effects it starts to get even weirder This is very song specific. He's done certain things just to emphasize certain points with the reverse effects, uh, emphasize transitions, emphasize key hooks, like key lines of the song. I can't, like, I'm not going to go into like specifics, but the principle that you want to take away from this is how can you use your effects? Like, this is the skill set you want to take away from this. How can you creatively use your vocal effects in a way that's, that emphasizes the key moments of the track? and key points of the track and does it in a subtle way like this where it does it's not over the top but it like it's it's creative it's unique it sounds unique to the track that's really what he's done here there's reverse placements for emphasis on certain parts but he's also got like weird vocal glitch things that are happening to emphasize certain words like when they're saying one two three so yeah it's really about being creative with that overall i think that the the underlying way of thinking um, that he had in Dope Start Now is very similar to this in terms of like the way that he's layered, the way that he's used effects especially, and the way that he's used like little little samples that, that sound very unique, but they're there to like just create vibe really. He's very good at that. I think the other key thing from this song was his use of core rhythm and how he's mashed two different core rhythms together in the drop. I think that was like, I don't think I've ever seen a song that's done something like that before which is really cool makes the track very unique and finally that that little snare feel before the drop again blows me away every time have no idea how he's done it i've tried to like figure out the time placements and count like when it's happening does it come in on the one does it come in on the two i, I pretty much gave up in the end i was like you know what i'm just gonna i don't want to know anymore uh because it's it'll take away from the magic of what it sounds like so the key principle to understand would be to just be very unique in everything that you do. Be unique in everything that you do. Cross-pollinate certain things. Cross-pollinate ideas. Cross-pollinate genres. Cross-pollinate eras. It's really going to be unique to you. Like what you like. Like this is what he likes and that's what he's created. But what do you like? That's the question you got to ask yourself. And how can you cross-pollinate that in a way that's original to you? Anyway, that's what I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this one. And if you want to check out how to read songs like a book the links below polymathproducer.com and uh yeah i'll see you next time thank you for watching